Welcome to This Week in L5R, the podcast dedicated to keeping you up to date with Legend of the Five Rings, the living card game by Fantasy Flight Games. This week we're going to be going over the Scorpion Clan cards, which personally are what I've been waiting for for a very, very long time. I realized a while ago that they were going to be the last clan shown, which on one hand made me really annoyed, on the other hand it made me really proud. All right, so let's get started by looking over the stronghold and the province of the Scorpion Clan. Those two will give a pretty good indication as to what the focus of the Scorpion Clan is. All right, the stronghold is City of the Open Hand. It is a plus one strength stronghold, so a little bit on the weaker side. It has 10 starting honor, 10 influence, and 7 fate, which honestly is more honor than I was expecting. It is a city with an action that says, if you are less honorable than an opponent, bow this stronghold. Take one honor from that player. So that is a two-point honor swing as an action, which you can do in almost any single phase of the game. The downside of it only being if you have lower honor than your opponent. The downside of only being able to trigger if you have lower honor is for the best. Otherwise, that would be unfortunately broken. The province of the Scorpion Clan is called the Secret Cache. Four-strength province. It is air. Reaction. After a conflict is declared against this province... Search the top five cards of your conflict deck for a card and add it to your hand. Shuffle. So that's pretty neat. It can definitely give some interesting strengths to it. As far as I'm aware, I believe this is the only search so far where you don't reveal it to your enemies. Which means you get to look at the top five, they don't get to see any of them, and then you get to keep it. And again, they still don't know what it is. So I think that's pretty nice. If they don't break this province, you can use it again. Unlike the when revealed. That makes me happy... I'm a, I'm really a big fan of most of the cards from this clan, and that province I like as well. All right, well, let's get into the characters, starting with the dynasty characters. Beyushi Liar is the first one, which is a wonderful name. He is a courtier with dash for military and three political strength for one cost and zero glory. He has sincerity, which means when it leaves play, you draw one card. This is a phenomenal character because he cannot be dueled in military. Sure, you don't want him to be in most military fights, because he'll just go home bowed. But he's a courtier with zero glory. And you, oddly enough, currently in the core box, there's only one courtier with zero glory. Which means any other courtier who gets dishonored, and there will be a number of them, end up actually losing their stats. This is the one guy who doesn't. The fact that you draw a card whenever he goes away is a huge benefit. A three political strength for one, with sincerity, in the courtier so you can get him dishonored. That works out very well. He's a phenomenal character. Three of, probably for a long time. Beyushi Manipulator is the next one. He is a courtier. One military, one political, one cost, one glory. Reaction. After honored dials are revealed, increase the value of your bid by one. That means whenever you're getting on the lower end, if you're not sure if you can bid as high as what you want, this gives you a little bit of safety where you can bid a little bit more conservative and then if you need bump it up afterwards because it's not a forced reaction it's voluntary so you don't have to use it if you don't want but it definitely can give you some card advantage you just have to make sure that you don't accidentally dishonor yourself out of the game sinister soshi is the next character it is a shugenja of air with dash military and dash political which i believe is the only one of these in the core set that we've seen literally cannot be a part of any conflict at all. It is one cost in zero glory. With the action, during a conflict, choose a participating character. 
That character gets negative two military and negative two political until the end of the conflict. So that's pretty neat in the fact that it will work in either offense or defense, political or military. It's almost like an attachment that is a negative two, negative two for one cost. To me, that seems like a pretty good advantage, pretty good bonus. The fact that it has zero glory means that if you do need to dishonor a character, you can dishonor this one. And actually, because of the dash military stats, it actually wouldn't matter anyway. So this is a pretty neat one. Not a courtier. If it were, it'd be just about perfect. Something I found interesting was that the Scorpion clan have more Shugenja than most of the other clans, at least on the core box, again. Of course, nothing compared to the Phoenix, but still more than the average. The fourth card on the list is Black Male Artist, who is a courtier. One military, two political, two cost, and one glory. Reaction. After this character wins a political conflict, take one honor from your opponent. So that's pretty nice. Political is definitely the strongest focus of the Scorpion Clan. If he's a part of a winning conflict, they lose one honor, you gain one honor. It helps drive them down even further. Huge fan of this guy. The next card is Soshi Illusionist. It is a Shugenja of air. One military, three political, two cost, one glory. Action. Spend one fate. Choose a character. Discard a status token from that character. Currently, the only status tokens I'm aware of are the honored or dishonored status tokens. If you have neither of them, you are ordinary and your stats are as normal. This has two different functions that it can use. It can either remove the honored status from one of your opponents, which, depending on who you're fighting against, uh, the phoenix or the crane, that could be incredibly important. Or it could remove the dishonored status from one of your own people. This might be important, for instance, if you only have one or two people on the board and they're both dishonored and you need to dishonor one of your people to make something work. This can basically remove that so they could be dishonored again. Or you could use Nanbeyushi Yunaku, which I'll be going over in a minute, in case she's dishonored. She's not incredibly effective anymore, but this guy's ability would be able to remove that and make them pretty effective. I'm not going to say that's an amazing character, but for two cost, having three political and an ability to remove the honor status from somebody, I think is pretty strong. The next card is Yogo Outcast, which is a Shugenja of air. Two military, two political, two cost, and one glory. This character gets plus one military and plus one political while you are less honorable than an opponent. That is not a very challenging restriction. For the most part, you will always be less honorable than an opponent normally. So for the most part, this guy will be a 3-3 three, three for 2 cost. I like it. Nothing amazing, nothing exciting, but good. Young Rumormonger is the next one. A courtier, 2 military, 2 political, 2 cost, with 1 glory. Its ability is interrupt. When a character would be honored or dishonored, choose another character controlled by the same player. That character receives the honor or dishonor instead. This character adds amusing shenanigans. For the most part, it will be a very specific matchup where this will be really good, but where it comes in can be really important. For example, you're playing against the crane and they honor their biggest person. And instead you say, oh, I don't want you to target that guy. I want you to target your steward of law who has zero glory. So sure he's honored, but it doesn't actually help anything except for the honor gain whenever they leave play, of course. Phoenix is another one where if they get their high glory people honored, it becomes really important. 
But with this card, you get to decide who actually receives that honor. The one downside is, of course, that you only get to use this particular ability on this character once a turn, which means if early on they go to honor an important person and you switch it to a less useful character, then later in the turn you play a card where they have to choose one of the people and dishonor them, you no longer get to choose it's back to the opponent. I still absolutely love this character. There are a number of situations where it will not be an incredibly useful power, but where it does come up, I believe it is a phenomenal card. Favored Niece is the next card. Courtier, two military, two political, three cost, and two glory. One of the four highest glory characters in the entire Scorpion clan. Action, choose and discard one card from your hand. Draw one card, limit twice per round. So this is a card cycling ability, which can be really good for a lot of different matchups. If you need to focus on military, some of your political cards will not be as effective and vice versa. Even though you will be drawing more cards than a lot of other decks, it is still very important to be able to get the cards that you actually need. And this character, a little bit expensive for the stats and the ability, if you have everything that you want in hand, it's not very effective. But there are a lot of times where if you don't get the cards that you need, this character can help balance out if you get a bad draw. Shisuro Actress is the next card. It is a courtier, shinobi, as a keyword. One military, three political, three cost, one glory. Action. During a conflict, sacrifice this character. Choose a non-shinobi character with a printed cost of three or lower in an opponent's discard pile. Put that character into play in the conflict under your control. I find this to be a very interesting and potentially very powerful card, especially if you do your political attacks or your opponent does political attacks first. Character contributes three to the political conflict that he's in and then goes home bowed. Then after that, on the next conflict, either military or another political, you can sacrifice this guy and get out the best character that they have in either one of their two discard piles, either conflict or dynasty and put him into play for that. So I think it's really good. I do think that it is really interesting that she is not allowed to do this to another shinobi character, which currently there are only three of, and they're all scorpion. This is not the only situation where the scorpion cards cannot hurt other scorpions. Shinobi is the shadow arts, which are not necessarily magic in the original version, but in the old storyline, it became synonymous with using shadow magic or darkness. So the next card is Shisuro Miyako, Bushi with Shinobi. Three military, two political, three cost, one glory. Reaction. After you play a character from your hand, your opponent must select one. Discard one card at random from his or her hand, or choose and dishonor a character he or she controls. That gives a very interesting dynamic to it. Stat-wise alone is not bad. Really, though, to shine, you need to also play a character from hand, which can be a challenge sometimes, depending, since you can only have a maximum of 10 in your deck, and the cost of the Scorpion conflict characters are on the higher side. It definitely means that you're putting a lot of eggs into this one basket if you use this character. I like the style of it a lot, and, of course, discarding a card or dishonoring a character can be an effective and powerful ability. I'm not sure if the cost is worth it for the three cost of this character and the two or three cost of the conflict character. At that point, I don't believe it is as effective. Bushi Yunako, Bushi Commander. And this is the character from the fiction with four military strength, 
which I'll give you a hint, is more than Beishi showed you. Two, political strength. Four, cost. And two, glory. Action. While this character is participating in a conflict, choose a character. Switch that character's base military and political skill until the end of the conflict. That is a really good ability against a lot of the clans, against Dragon and, I believe, Phoenix. For the most part, they're pretty balanced, and so it won't be as impressive against Lion or Crane and Crab. It can make a very, very big difference because they have a lot more disparity between the numbers in a lot of their characters. Something which I find kind of neat is the fact that her military strength is higher than Beishi Shouju, which in the fiction, he defeated her. However, if you look at his ability... Just from what is on his card, he can defeat her, which I find to be an interesting little, not necessarily Easter egg, but whenever the abilities on the card match up with what happens in the fictions, it just gives me a warm fuzzy. One of the things which I find interesting on this is the fact that a strength, either a military or political strength, that is a dash cannot be changed. So if this ability targets a character with a dash, it actually will have no effect because... The effect is to switch the two, and the rulebook says that it can't. So henceforth, it has no actual change on the board state, just as a side note on how that works. The next card is Yogo Hirue. Courtier, zero military, four political, four cost, with two glory. Action, while this character is participating in a conflict, choose a non-participating character. Move that character to this conflict. Then, if you win the conflict, you may dishonor that character. Because he is a four political and he is required to be at the conflict to be able to trigger this ability, that means you're probably only going to be able to use him in political matchups, which means there's a good chance you will be able to pull in people of the more military slant or someone who's bowed. Both of those are completely valid and wonderful targets. I believe this character to be expensive, but potentially very important. The last dynasty character is Bayushi Shouju. Bushi, courtier, champion. Three military strength, seven political strength, five cost, and two glory. Action. While this character is participating in a political conflict, choose a participating character controlled by your opponent. Until the end of the conflict, that character gets negative one political and is discarded if its political skill is zero. Limit twice per round. At first, I was not as amazed at this character as I should have been. The way that I interpret it was similar to the Crane Clan Stronghold, where basically you can make a two-point political swing. That is not the case. There are a number of ways, in addition to this character, who can lower people's political skills. A couple of items, attachments, the Sinister Soshi mentioned earlier. But one of the other easiest is Dishonor. If he targets a character who is dishonored, the glory is subtracted from the political skill as well. And if this negative one now makes it a zero, he dies immediately. He can target two different people and stack it with the Sinister Soshi or Dishonored or some of the poison that will be coming up in a minute. But overall, this is an incredibly powerful character with a lot of board removal built in. And Bayushi Yunaku, the character I mentioned earlier, only has two politicals. So in a political duel, he can kill her just from his power alone. So I think this is a phenomenal character. Absolutely love him. Just the ability to remove people who are not as political as he is can be a phenomenal, phenomenal ability. Their holding is City of Lies, which is a city. It is plus one province strength. With action, 
reduce the cost of the next event you play this phase by one. It doesn't change the limit on that, so it is still only once a turn. So taking up one slot in your provinces for the ability to pay one less fate doesn't really seem worth it to me. I'm not a fan yet. I'm still doing testing with this. I don't believe I'm going to keep it in for the long term, but in the short term, I might. Overall, I'm not impressed by this one yet. And now the conflict cards. Adept of Shadows. Character. Bushi and Shinobi. Two military strength, two political, two cost, zero glory, three influence. So probably not splashed. Action. Lose one honor. Return this character to your hand. I am really not sure how I feel about this character yet. The two strength for two, not bad. So you can put it in. As an important thing to note, the Scorpion have some of the highest cost conflict cards in the game. And so having a character which can only generate two strength is not particularly amazing. However, it has zero glory. So if it gets dishonored, it's not really a big deal. You could actually use this multiple turns or multiple times by losing an honor and returning it to your hand. The next character is Unassuming Yojimbo, who's a character. Bushi Yojimbo, three military strength, one political, three cost, zero glory, and two influence. Covert. Covert means that whenever you declare this character as an attacker, you get to choose one defender who doesn't have covert, and you can go right past them, and they cannot assign into the battle. I find it really interesting that all of the other Yojimbos from the other clans are not allowed to be an attacker or cannot participate or cannot be declared as an attacker. The Scorpion Clan, on the other hand, their Yojimbo is really good at being an attacker. He's also one of the very few Scorpion cards that is actually better on military than on political. I like this guy a lot. Really expensive, though. He's a three, he's a three cost for three military. But the fact that he does allow you to get past one of their military people can definitely be an interesting and very strong ability. I also find it surprising that there is only one card that is covert in the entire base set for Scorpion. A lot of the other clans have one covert. I was assuming that they were going to have at least two or three, just because it does seem like a very strong focus of the Scorpion clan, especially since they have people who are shinobi, who are supposed to be undetected. For instance, the Shisuro actress. Their job is to show up unannounced and cause havoc. But overall, I really like that character. The cost might be a little bit too much to make it justifiable in the long term. But for now, for now, it's one of the two conflict characters that you actually have. So I'll definitely be running it. But it might get switched out with somebody more cost effective later. Court Mask is the next card. It is an attachment, which is an item and a mask. One military bonus, two political bonus, one cost, one influence. Attached to a character you control. Action. Return this attachment to your hand and dishonor attached character. In a way, this is almost like Ancestral, where if there is a card which you know is going to die, who has this attachment, you can bring it back. It will cost you effectively an honor, and then you'll have to pay another fate to bring it out into play, but it can give you a plus one military or plus two political in a situation where you need it. I'm not thrilled with this card, but I do think that it is a very interesting ability. I wonder if this indicates a design concept they have with multiple of their items being able to come back for the cost of honor. The next item is Fiery Madness, which is an attachment. It is poison. Negative two military, negative two political, one cost, two influence, no ability, 
it has the keyword of poison and no additional rules at all. So technically you could put it on your own character. I personally do not see a reason to do that. This can make any of your opponent's characters a lot weaker, a lot more susceptible to a number of different things. It does stack very well with Shoju's ability, so that way he can actually kill off powerful people decently easy. So overall, I like this card a lot. This can be incredibly effective against some of the Voltron decks where they have one character with multiple attachments on it. This can help bring them back down into a, a power level, which is easier for you to deal with. The next card is Forged Edict. It is an event, zero cost, and two influence. Interrupt. When the effects of an event would initiate, dishonor a friendly courtier. Cancel those effects. You have a decent number of courtiers. Some of them you don't mind if you get dishonored. Some you do. The ability to cancel an event, though, is really strong. And for zero cost, other than the dishonor, which eventually will lose you an honor and possibly a little bit of military strength or political strength, I find this to be an incredibly impressive card. Way of the Scorpion is the next card. It is an event that is a philosophy. Zero cost. No influence cannot be splashed. Action. During a conflict, choose a participating non-Scorpion character. Dishonor that character. I'm not aware of any of the other way cards, which actually cannot function if you are in a mirror match. This one cannot target Scorpions at all. If you are playing against an enemy Scorpion deck, you can only target their neutral or their splashed character cards with your way of. I find that to be a very interesting choice. It does play in well with the Scorpion Loyalty and the Trader's Grove. For anyone who doesn't know what that is, I recommend you, uh, you do a quick search on that on the Wikipedia. It is a rather interesting story and a lot of interesting uh, aspects of the Scorpion Clan. The ability, however, Zero Cost Dishonor an Enemy. That I absolutely love. It ties in so well with everything else they want to do. In a very few situations, it won't be that impactful against a Lion Rush deck where if they have a bunch of smaller people who are not particularly glorious or in a crab matchup where they have, again, people with very low glory, it might not be very impactful. But overall, I think it's a pretty phenomenal card, especially with all of the Scorpion abilities to use since the Scorpion have so many ways to utilize the enemy being dishonored. The next card is Calling in Favors. Event. One cost, two influence. Action. Dishonor a friendly character. Choose an opponent's attachment. Take control of that attachment and attach it to that character, if able. Otherwise, discard the attachment. So this is a pretty interesting thing. There are a lot of cards, Ancestral Daisho, Sashimano, etc., that you can take away from your enemy with this card. Granted, it does dishonor the character, but there are some of them which are definitely worth it, and some which aren't. One of the things I find interesting with this is that you can use this against Cloud the Mind. For instance, if the enemy puts Cloud the Mind on Beishi Shoju, so that way he can no longer do his killing effects, you can actually dishonor one of your other people, and he will get clouded instead. I think it is very clan-appropriate that they will either A, steal the enemy's good weapons, or B, lower people will basically take the bullet for some of the more important people. So overall, I believe it's a phenomenal card. I like it a lot. It does depend on how strong attachments are in the meta, but overall, pretty neat. The next card is I Can Swim, which is an event, philosophy, two cost, and one influence. Action. During a conflict, if the bid on your honor dial is higher than your opponent's, 
Choose a participating dishonored character controlled by that opponent. Discard that character. So that is a very impressive card. It was one of the first ones spoiled. However, a number of the other dishonor abilities didn't really show up until later. So we weren't really sure of how strong it was. This stacks well with some of the political neutral cards, which can get people dishonored, and provinces. So for the most part, your honor dial is normally going to be higher than your opponent's. That's normally how Scorpion is played in most matchups. And you have to choose a participating dishonored character, and it just gets discarded. That can be amazing. For example, if you have Way of the Scorpion in your hand at the same time as I Can Swim, all you have to have is two fate, and you can literally choose their largest and most important person with as many fate as they want on there, and you literally play a zero-cost card and a two-cost card, and they die. So it can be absolutely phenomenal. The next card is Ambush. Event. Three-cost, one influence. Action. During a conflict, choose up to two Scorpion characters with a total cost of six or lower from your hand and or provinces. Put those characters into play as participating characters. In a minute, I will go over the cost of the Scorpion characters. They are some of the highest as far as conflict cost, and I believe above average on the Dynasty cost. This is an interesting way that for one card, you can actually get three extra fate worth of cards into play. The downside is that you don't get to put any extra fate on these characters as if you were to play them, so you have to be willing to use them for this conflict and probably nothing else. It can be a huge swing, so if a scorpion is going into a fight with three fate sitting back, that could mean that they're going to flood the board with better characters. It is an expensive card, but I believe that it's definitely worth it in pretty much every situation. The last card is Blackmail. Event, three cost, three influence. Play only if you are less honorable than your opponent. Action. During a conflict, choose a character controlled by your opponent with printed cost of two or lower. Take control of that character until the end of the conflict. I'm not as thrilled about this card as I would like. To me, the cost outweighs the normal benefit of it. You're paying three fate to take a two fate character. One thing to note is that it does not move the enemy character into or out of the conflict. It can only be used during a conflict, but it doesn't have to be a character in the conflict. It is possible to take an enemy's character at home if they have an ability, which would be useful for that. You only get to control it until the end of the conflict, so you don't get it afterwards but you could use their ability at that point. However, if they're attacking you with a character that is a two cost, and there's some which are very effective at that fate cost or lower, and they lose that strength that they generate and you gain it, it can be a very large swing. I am not sure about the cost though. It, Even though I know that logically three fate to be able to move a two cost character from your enemy's attacking army to your defending, or vice versa, is actually really strong. It's just that the Scorpion cards have so much fate cost already that it seems like it becomes too much at that point. So Blackmail is a good card if they actually have a character that is worth it. There are, in each clan, there are a few cards which this would be phenomenal on in the right conflict. But I feel that too often, 
saving three fate is not going to be the most beneficial way to do it. On one hand, I hope that I'm wrong on this, but the cost is currently making the board size of the Scorpion not big enough as far as for me to feel comfortable. Now I'm going to go over the numbers of the Scorpion Clan. And I realized in some of my previous podcasts that some of the numbers I gave were actually wrong due to the fact that there was an error in one of my spreadsheets. So a few of the numbers were calculated not quite correctly. So the basic breakdown of the Scorpion is that they only have five Bushi. So they are almost last next to the Phoenix. They do have eight Courtiers, which is tied with Crane for highest. Their conflict cost on average, and actually now that we've seen all of the cards, this is actually the correct number from the base set. Their conflict cost from their cards is 1.6 per card. The next highest is 1.11. So they are almost 50% more expensive in the conflict deck than any other clan. All right, their dynasty card cost is 2.36, which is it's actually about the middle. There are two people lower than that, but the ones who are above them are only a 0.1 away. So overall, for the most part, not bad. Now, the part which I found kind of surprising was the fact that their glory is the second lowest. The Crab Clan is actually less glorious than the Scorpion Clan. I found that to be unusual. I would actually be happier if we had less glory. That way, being dishonored was less of a hindrance. We've got 1.0 average glory. Uh, the Phoenix have the highest with 1.7, so they're almost twice as glorious as we are. And the Crab are sitting at 0.87. So not a huge gap, but still a noticeable amount. We have the second to lowest military strength with 1.67 average per person. The Crane have the lowest with 1.47. And our political is at 2.4, which actually is the highest political per character. Oddly enough, it is not the Crane with the next highest, but the Dragon. I find that to be really odd. The cost breakdown total of both Dynasty and Conflict is 2.13, which is the highest in the game. And that is just taken from adding one of every single card from the Scorpion Conflict and Dynasty deck, and then dividing by the number of cards there are. So yeah, we have the highest. So my overview of the Scorpion Clan, and I might be biased because I've been a fan of the Scorpion Clan for 20-something years. I got, I got into this in 96, I think, maybe 97. So it's 20 or 21 years. They have always been my favorite clan for storyline reasons. For the most of the time, whenever I was playing the collectible card game, they were not a very effective deck. Occasionally, they were, and I was always really happy whenever that happened. But currently in this, they are a political powerhouse with a lot of ability to dishonor the enemy and to control the enemy's honor and to drag them down. Winning outright through dishonor is pretty challenging, but you can definitely put people into horrible situations by basically getting them into that situation. In the Learn to Play guide that came out a few days ago, they did mention that from the core set, the most effective win conditions were the military conditions. And the way that it was worded indicated that in the future, that might not necessarily be true. So Crane Honor Wins and Scorpion Dishonor Wins are a thing which are more likely to be possible winning conditions in the future. So I'm really looking forward to that. Compared to what I was assuming they were going to be, they actually have 
more political strength and less military strength than what I assumed they were going to have. I like the focus that they have. I like the fact that they are a little bit closer to the Crane clan, but in a mirror image than what they were in previous incarnations. They are a really fun deck to play. They've got quite a bit of control. If they can stay on top of their opponent, they can really put them into horrible positions and then exploit those positions phenomenally. There are some matchups which aren't as good for them, but overall, I would not really say that they have any major weaknesses. It's possible that the unicorn and crab might pose more problems in the future due to the military strength that is not as hindered by glory. On the decks I'm currently working on, there are two different Scorpion Clan decks. One has Crane Clan splashed in, which is much more of the political side. I like the style of that deck. I do not believe it is as effective as the other one, which is where I splash in Crab. Crab definitely gives more military might, and also with Levy and Watch Commander, it gives more uh, passive honor drain to the enemy, which makes it even more challenging. And I believe I have one reprieve in there as well, to just get a little bit of extra longevity out of characters on a later turn. So yeah, absolutely love the Scorpion Clan. I'm incredibly thrilled with how they've worked out so far. This has been This Week in L5R, the podcast dedicated to keeping you up to date with Legend of the Five Rings. Please like and subscribe on Facebook, Patreon, WordPress, SoundCloud, etc. Music is Pray for Japan by Free Events Orchestra. And I'm Shasura Nasanaka. Thank you very much.